podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Are we safe? Are we healthy? Are we happy? I hope so. Um, welcome back to the, the Whistleblowers. We've got music part two. I'm delighted to say we've got John Bruin and Gareth back for this one. So, um, yeah, enjoy it. We, we have a little bit of a deeper dive on other things like Soccer AM, um, moving into other influences like Oasis and, and, and Drake and various other things like that. So, um, Check it out, uh, subscribe, let me know what you think. Cheers. Okay, so let's jump in again for the third quarantined whistleblowers. Um, uh, picking up where we left off last week uh, with the music theme, um, I'm delighted to say we've got uh, John Bruin back and Gareth Dobson. Cheers, lads, for coming on. Hello there. I'm excited we got given another record deal. Woohoo! <laughs> the sort, the difficult second album. Oh yes. Well, let's well, let's see. So, I mean, last week we covered perhaps a little bit of novelty, um, a little bit of the first early incarnations of the pop star footballer, um, um, and a little bit about Liverpool and United songs, the success of those. Um, bit about Gaza, and and then well, let's move into the two thousands because I think there's there's definitely an evolution uh, of how music's intertwined with football now but um i think a theme that we all picked up on uh was perhaps the the soccer am sort of lads culture um of the early 2000s i know that um uh, gareth from the music industry is, is that is that something that bands uh, uh, getting your song on soccer AM back in the day was quite a useful vehicle wasn't it yeah it was a really big deal i mean one of the issues was there were fewer and fewer uh, ways for bands to appear on television. Um, yeah, there was only Jules Holland, Top of the Pops had disappeared. Uh, there was no uh, CD UK anymore. Um, so, you know, there was only, yeah, so many places where, you know, bands could play their faces. And, you know, obviously there, there, there's always been a really big alignment between uh, musicians and football uh, footballers, you know, want to be pop stars and pop stars want to be footballers. That old adage, which is, which is pretty true. So yeah, getting getting your music firstly played. Because I remember it was it was when Soccer M were doing. Um, they had the skills compilation, didn't they? The Techers. Yeah. And uh, not, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That was when they kind of did like a quick kind Cold of edit of a few uh, a few hot singles, which were um, you know not not to ruin everyone's uh, 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 you know understanding of it all. It was actually there were pluggers who basically go and speak to the TV producers and they're like, we really need you to put this song on your, uh, on your uh, rotation this week. And so that there's a lot of nefarious backdoor dealings. And then obviously, you know, the, the, you know, the various people obviously have their favorites and, and tracks they like to put on. So that's a big one. And obviously then, you know, they have the live uh, studio performances as well. I had a couple of bands do some end of season performances. Remember we had Frank in the heartstrings and they, went and uh, performed the same time as Hard Fire. We had the Cribs play, and yeah, so it's always uh, always good fun. Yeah, that was brilliant. Uh, I, I remember those, and and you talk about the the songs getting played over. That I think it was Showboat, wasn't it, or something? That's the, right. That yeah. section. Um, I remember when Kaiser Chiefs. This was their first. Was Oh My God? I think yeah. that was one of the. It seems to just be a kind of a very a thematic sort of thing that ran for a while on the show is certainly they broke singles like that or certainly gave them an extra uh, an extra push oh it was it was a big deal and it was you know and and that was 
a really a really useful time for music because obviously Sky and especially understood that yeah you, know, you need to present these football clip shows with something that's really dynamic and exciting. Suddenly there was so much more room for music. You know um, when Sky started uh, going back to the nineties, obviously it was uh, their campaign was a whole new ball game when they uh, started the Premier League coverage, and that was was it alive and kicking, Simple Minds. Yeah. It it was, and then later on they used uh, Paul Weller's Out of the Sinking, which was the sort of riffy, sort of uh, one of his solo return. You know, he he sort of, Paul Weller, after the Star Council fell apart, came back as a sort of lad hero, didn't he? And, yeah, it really fitted. Now, the the stuff Gareth talked about there, um, now, obviously, Gareth uh, is our music industry insider, but I've always got the impression about the music industry is that they, that quite often they're trying to repeat previous successes and stick to a formula because, as you know, Gareth, the formula doesn't always work, but it's probably best to stick to a template. Now, the first Oasis album, uh, definitely maybe, obviously, um, I was reading recently that um, the marketing budget that they had for that, that Creation Records and Sony who funded them, was quite small. So a guy called Tim Abbott, who was one of the creation honchos, decided they were going to market it a bit differently rather than plough it into Q magazine and uh, Enemy or whatever. Uh, they, they decided to plug the Oasis album uh, in things like 90 Minutes, which was a big football uh, magazine of the time, mm-hmm. 442, and just push it in that direction because... Oasis, I suppose, even in their early videos. In fact, it's Shaker Maker where they're playing football and one of them is wearing a, a, a motorcycle helmet yeah. and heads the ball. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so that formula sort of repeated itself. Um, well, until, as far as I can work out, quite recently, um, that sort of, uh, you know, cap sleeve T-shirt, Adidas trainers, um, a certain hairstyle um, and... You know this this band are a fan of Cov City or whatever, and yeah. it just adds to the credentials. Um, and it just it just it it, it, it fitted it fitted a moment. Um, Gareth mentioned Hardfire there. Uh, another thing that I, I came across in my career as a football writer was at Wembley. Uh, you would have. Uh, before cup semi-finals, finals, or whatever, you would have a band playing uh, on on the on the centre of the pitch. I remember Hardfire being one of them. Uh, uh, the Wombats was one. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, and then they changed it up. I think I've seen. I think I've seen Tinchy Strider up at Wembley. Uh, I think I've seen Tinchy Strider at most events. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Opening of a letterbox job. I mean, yeah, again, um, so, so that template was, and, and the thing is, that template was set at a time when definitely maybe you can sell 15 million albums, but post-2000, post-Napster, I suppose you have to look for revenue streams and then mixing it up with football was a good way to go. And I suppose that probably reached its apex uh, with Paul Pogba when he joined Manchester United. Uh, and they had that advert, didn't they, with Storms in. Mm. And that was the point where you move it all together, you move it into with fashion as well. And, yeah, 
<laughs> the thing is, uh, if you were in the 70s and 80s, that was where uh, people could, from, uh, let's say, working-class backgrounds, could become like a lottery winner by becoming a pop star. But at a certain point, sometime in the late 90s or through the 90s, that was, football was where the money was to be made. And funnily enough, music, uh, rather reduced in its circumstances, had to sort of piggyback onto football. That's how it ended up, didn't it, at a certain point? Oh, 100%. And it was, you know, you could see there was always excitement with, you know, when uh, everyone who works, not everyone, that's, that's not fair. So many people who work within music, obviously a, a huge football fan. So, you know, they're engaging in music, you know, usually starts with their passion. And what happens is when your passion becomes your job, it changes. But then, you know, football sport will always remain the passion. So whenever there's an opportunity to get a band on Soccer AM or, or to be part of the, the FIFA uh, uh, video game soundtrack or, or anything like that you can see the eyes light up in the offices and it's the radio guy who's like right you need to do this and dot, dot, because i want to go to wembley for this game i want to be you know mooching around the player lounge and and get to shake hands with martin keown and <laughs> and, and and so forth and it's like so yeah and, and to align and i i think that what you're saying is is absolutely correct it's uh you know football that became you know still is you know the dominant kind of lifestyle sort of thing that we pass our time with music has has changed a little bit in that it almost serves a role as something that sits in the background and while it's always there it's not ever quite as prominent so um then we get excited when footballers dabble into you know the music world it's I, I, I know that you've, uh, Martin, you, you've been to a bunch of shows and spent some time with Peter Crouch at a Kasabian gig and mm. and so forth. And, you know, the, the excitement in the crowd is like, oh, my God, Peter Crouch is here. Well, I love that. Um, uh, the, I was speaking to one of my colleagues uh, um, who he used to work, he used to be John Lydon's PR. Mm. Wow. He said... <laughs> Um, Gus is going back. Yeah, exactly. What a job that is. Um, uh, but no, he, he has brilliant stories. And one of the stories, this is probably regressing to what we were talking about last week, but it's worth listening. Uh, it's worth hearing. Um, you know, you were talking about Stuart Pierce going to all the Sex Pistols gigs. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was like when they had that run, they had a run in Brixton. I think they played five nights and he went, Stuart Pierce went to all five gigs, but didn't want to go backstage and meet the band, just loves them. But wanted to buy it, bought a ticket, was down the front in the mosh pit every night uh, for all five gigs. And they were just like, this guy's how much of a legend is he? Do you know what I mean? John Lydon said to uh, my colleague, he was like going, Pierce, he'll be here. And he was like going, but he was here last night. He'll be back. And just because he would, <laughs> it was that sort of mentality towards it, which I absolutely love. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing is, though, um, I think that someone like Stuart Pierce, is uh, possibly a bit like me, really. Uh, uh, well, I'm, not, I'm not similar to Stuart Pearce in any sense, but like uh, I've always been a big music head since, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and into my football as well. But I've always kept them quite separate, and I imagine Stuart Pearce probably has that opinion too. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, there was that point in the 90s where it sort of crossed over and everyone was into footy, uh, a, a, a word that I dislike actually. Uh, and, <laughs> but I, but I, I, you know, we, we, Martin, you know me well enough. Uh, I, I, uh, it's very rare that they'll play a record at a football match that I like. 
loads apart from that, you know, London Calling or something like that. Yeah. But it's 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 a different thing, and yeah, you can compartmentalise your interests. But it, it's obviously something that uh, yeah, the, the, the two have, have. I mean, okay. I mean, back to Oasis again. Uh, Oasis is a band that I don't really like their music that much, but I'm sort of fascinated by Noel and Liam. I think they're very interesting characters. Um, it's the way that Noel Gallagher's uh, is adopted as a mascot by Manchester City, uh, and, and he is the sort of uh, the uber uh, soccer AM guest, isn't he? He's the one that 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 they absolutely would love to have on. Uh, and there came a point. Uh, about a couple of years ago, uh, where Noel Gallagher was appearing in the mix zone at Manchester City and giving interviews to, to football journalists about the game that had been going on uh, in a fashion that, um, say, Fernandinho or, <laughs> or or Vincent Company would, or something like that. He just he just has become like such a a, a mascot to Manchester City in, in a way that, well, I mean, it hasn't happened actually since. Um, well, uh, and, and he died a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the, the late lamented Eddie Large was uh, on the bench with City back in uh, their Amazing. less golden days. Are but, you yeah. saying he's the uh, Elton John of the North? <laughs> well, well, no, because I mean, there, there was a there's a famous quote by him, isn't there? Where he said something along the lines of, he, "He's been." They said, uh, you know, uh, uh, I've got a number one album. I've got two million in the bank. Uh, I've been asked to be on the board of Manchester City, but is that enough? No, I want more, which is, uh, I think he was perhaps chemically assisted when he, he said that one. <laughs> but there was, uh, yeah. there, was all, there was always that story in the 90s that he, he was going to be part of Manchester City and come and rescue them. But even in the 90s, Oasis didn't have enough money to rescue a club like Manchester City. That's That's just the way it was. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, one that's very, sorry, associated in similar ways was uh, it felt like every uh, every year there was a story that um, uh, Robbie Williams was going to go and save. Was it Preston North End? Port, Port Vale. Port Port vale, vale excuse me. Um, it was always like Port Vale are struggling. Maybe super fan Robbie Williams will be uh, rolling to their rescue, and that's obviously never quite happened. Although uh, actually, that that kind of leads us on quite uh, nicely to that. That phase where the omnipotence of Soccer Aid, which I'm pretty yeah. oh sure god, oh no, <laughs> which was probably <laughs> Williams's vehicle for appearing every year. And who was his friend? Who was quite good, and I have no idea who he was. Jo- Jonathan, Jonathan Wilkes. I, I, Wilkes. I, I actually looked this up the other day. Oh no, actually it was a while back um, uh, when I was working on the Guardian desk, uh, and we were trying to. I, I, we were doing the classic YouTube thing. And I think we were doing, and I looked up and Soccer Aid was on that weekend and uh, Jonathan Wilkes was not playing in it, which came as a big surprise because he was on a cruise ship uh, off the coast of Singapore, I think. Um, And that's what he does for the rest of the time. But yeah, Jonathan Wilkes just completely ruled ruled the Soccer Aid scene, didn't he? Um, He did. Let's touch on that because... That, that's the perfect... Soccer is the evolution of... Remember the five-a-side tournaments where you would see Blur and Oasis? And yeah. You'd, you'd, see, uh, you'd see Jarvis Cocker. You'd see everyone. And there's that really iconic the, image of Jarvis yeah. Cocker wearing the, uh, wearing the hat 
and uh, and his big glasses. And I think he's, is he chatting to Damon? Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's it's held at is it Marlin Sports Centre maybe, or it's one of those. And it's, yeah. it's such a brilliant image. So it creates very much the extension of that, um, you know, and obviously it's got the oomph because they've got UNICEF behind it, but it's still got that kind of laddie, cliquey sort of the celebrity element. It just got a bit absurd when you'd see Kareka on the pitch with, you know, <laughs> uh, Michael Sheen or something. But um, uh, Yeah, and, and Boris Johnson, of course, was in it. Boris Johnson taking out Lothar Matej in kind of a career-ending <laughs> way. Um did um, but yet yeah, just and another point on that. So whenever we would play Port Vale, guys, um, we it would always be like, I don't, I don't know if Robbie goes to that many games, but there's another famous Port Vale fan, uh, and it's Phil the Power Taylor, and he would always be going to the games. So they have got these kind of you would get the lower league novelty um celebrity fans, and when you talk about um, like just. I loved that the, there was a there was a period where some grounds would have really really good pre-match music. So clearly there was a DJ. The best place to get pre-match music was Rochdale. They they had some sort of it was all very Manchester, Manchester. But when you're playing for Torquay and all you got is R and B and nonsense that they're listening to down there, it's like it was just a real breath of fresh air. You know, it's quite ubiquitous now, but it was just I love going to those grounds and they they've got that kind of. Um, the local sort of attachment, but also just a bit a bit cooler. Yeah, the, the best two peak um, DJs, I think, uh, of, of Premier League grounds that I've been to, the guy at Newcastle is always pretty good. And then before they have local hero, Mark Knopfler, come on, they always have a bit of the Ramones. But I remember going to Liverpool, to Anfield, and it was Stephen Gerrard's final game there uh, for Liverpool. And they lost to Crystal Palace. Um, and uh, there's the guy that's a DJ there who's been there since I think it's almost 50 years, isn't it? Um, and he played a series of records that related to uh, to St- Stephen Gerrard, uh, and it was stuff like Come Back by the Mighty War and It's yeah. the End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. Yeah. And just, and it was record after record, you know, that all, you know, not obscure, but, you know, really well suited to the occasion. Um, unfortunately, this was in the death throes of the Brendan Rodgers regime, so it, it didn't really work out as an occasion. But <laughs> it, 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 I thought that was that was excellent. And, and uh, you know, it, it, uh, Liverpool is a, a city with its, its own music scene, and he always... Bands like the Lars and stuff like that in Liverpool have bands that follow on from them and, and, and sort of a big sort of uh, local heroes that, that you don't really hear outside Merseyside and he supports those types of bands. I've always thought that was, that spoke pretty well of, well, of him and, and of Liverpool as a club, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, just touching on, I suppose, uh, for a bit of background reading, um, I don't know if either of you guys have read Jack Pitbrook's piece on Soccer AM, which is a oh, yes, yes, it's wonderful. Like, yes, and it's laid out like Meet Me in the Bathroom. Is that the sort? Is that the book? Meet Me in the Bathroom. Yes. It's like it's just it's just a trans a transcribed. It's brilliant, brilliant piece. Nice trip down memory lane. Well, let's uh, let's have a little break now, and we'll come back with uh, some more music after the break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean, 
and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Okay, so welcome back. Um, so picking up in the 2000s, I, I suppose we didn't really touch on the, the, the transition to the digital age. Uh, so obviously with the introduction of iPods and various other things that were perhaps more the staple of the, the footballer with the headphones on going into grounds now, which is kind of, uh, you know, just the, the standard fare. Um, footballers' tastes. So I, I distinctly remember the dressing rooms just just playing like Kings of Leon to death, maybe a bit of wow. Arctic Monkeys if you were lucky. Um, and then, obviously, then moving into uh, the, towards the end of my career, the Drake phase. Um, what, what's your opinions? Oh, no, start with you, Gareth. What's your opinions on on footballers' taste over the, over this period? Um, so I, I find it uh, quite interesting since I, I think it's it's really evolved along with footballers. Footballers, I think, are probably you know, through social media because there's so many platforms, and also they're encouraged to create quote unquote content. Uh, they're more expressive musically and going back into that sense that you define yourself by the music you listen to and you know the clothes you wear and the things you do and you know footballers obviously you know will talk about the songs they love and that they're listening to and playlisting is is now a thing you know people don't really talk about what an amazing record they're listening to they're talking about specific songs or you know so and so in the dressing's put together a brilliant playlist and um, I mean, you mentioned Drake. He is the single most dominant person across the world of sports and music. There isn't any, uh, you know, major sport in North America or Europe where you know Drake. I, I think is just the single most popular musician. There was I was reading through a um, piece on the BBC about the England World Cup uh, team from a couple of years ago, and it's like, yeah, what are you listening to while you were at? You know, training cam generate and basically to a man give or take everyone's talking about drake that that's well, what he... well just just i know on that gareth but your love of north american sports what do you make of him and obviously his involvement in you know the the, the ever increasing sort of celebrity his position on the side of toronto is was it toronto yeah the raptors yeah so that sort of stuff i mean just talk me through it i mean because do, do you think he's i, I think he's clearly a, a better character for um in terms of a, a mu- musician that's involved in sport, he's, he's he's got good, I suppose, good grace. You know, he's he's not got um, he's not got quite got the baggage of some of the other rappers or or people in yeah, the industry. He's, he's pretty he's pretty squeaky clean, relatively speaking. He's quite a good. He's a pop star above all. He's he's you know relatively cool. There's a little bit of an edge to him, but he is a fairly squeaky clean pop star. So he, he's perfect for appearing in all these, uh, you know, basketball players and footballers' Instagram feeds at, at the concerts. You know, every time he plays a show, you see the next morning a picture of, you know, a, a sporting luminary. Very, very excited to have a photo with, uh, you know, with Drake. 
And um, yeah, and it's real. You know, Drake's obviously a huge sports fan. Uh, he's a big Toronto Raptors fan. He, he released a couple of songs in celebration when the Raptors won the NBA championship last year. Uh, interesting that there, there was a, a, a thing called the, the Drake curse where there was a run for about a year where sportsmen would post pictures of them posing with Drake. And then within a week or so had lost a, you know, a big, uh, a fixture. Um, there was one where I think Aguero had one last year and then subsequently missed the penalty and lost the Spurs one. That's right. That's right. Uh, and obviously it's all nonsense or, or is it? Uh, wow. But it's, it, it became a real thing. No, I love that. I love that. And also the, the I'm just going slightly off topic, uncut gems. You see, uh, what, who's the big guy in that? Um, uh, Kemp, not Kemp, what's his name? Um, the basketball player for, for New York. He was at New York Knicks, I think, at the time. Um, there's an appearance of him in it, and he's got his lucky superstitions, and there is very much that in American sport. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, uh, I'm moving on to John. Did In conversations with, I suppose, would you be doing a lot of, non sort of match reporting um, where you were doing like interviewing players and, and things cropped up in terms of musical interests or anything like that. So I would imagine that's not exactly, I mean, we were just talking off air about meet me in the bathroom again, some of the bands in that and perhaps not your cup of tea that, that were perhaps the mainstream ones back then. No, I mean, I, I, you get that. I mean, you know, in those sort of footballer interviews, you get these sort of lifestyle questions and if if you were like me at the time would be in your know, late 30s early 40s and they'll say an artist to you i mean obviously i've heard of drake but uh that you, you've 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 rarely heard of i mean i go back to the days when ryan Giggs listened to you know simply red and kenny thomas and yeah. M people so you know I, I think there's always been that sort of soul boy element hasn't there um, david beckham was an usher fan that was his big artist when he was you know the most famous man in the world at a certain point in the early 2000s and it and i get the impression martin you probably be able to uh, say uh, to, to back this up but um i would say that footballers influence each other quite a lot on music taste in the dressing room don't they um whenever you see those interviews there's always someone that, that takes over the stereo and most of them seem to like the music and yeah, there's a bit of mockery of foreign lad who will bring in, you know, music from his country. I think I think they used to say at United that uh, Patrice Evra, whenever he got on the on the boombox or whatever, uh, that was that would cause problems. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, and this is one of the problems that actually quite a lot of football journalists have is that quite a lot of the time you're talking to people, um, and I was no by no means the oldest of the pack. Um, you're talking to uh, kids who are in their early 20s about what they get up to when you have absolutely no idea what what, what type of thing they're into. Um, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a real culture gap, and it is actually funny enough, you know, if you talk about myself, it's one of the issues I had a lot of the time in talking to footballers because there's certain interviews I've turned up to um, and, and spoken to someone, and then about a minute in, you realise you're talking to someone who is basically still a child uh who's who's like 22 and you're thinking oh right okay Uh, and and it can be difficult um but yeah the 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 cultural touchstones that uh uh you know a a northern lad from macclesfield shares with a you know a, a footballer from 
in a London, um, sometimes they're not there. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, I like the yeah the the regional things are really interesting one because I found that the the domineering person in the dressing room who would put on the CD wasn't always the one with the best taste. It was just the one who had the balls to go and do it and to back it up and to have that bravery and taste. So like I said, we were talking about it last week, Paul McGregor had, you know, a a great taste in, you know, a very different taste to a lot of people in in the dressing room, but it was a real breath of fresh air because he had the balls to back it up. Um, and, I, and when I went to Chesterfield, I noticed the same. We had a very old, we had an old dressing room, but there were great characters in there. And because of that, like the young lads just didn't have the balls to put on their music. So we literally had the run of it for uh, for the season. It was brilliant. Jack Lester and Kevin Austin and Robert Page and um, yeah, there was just like all these older guys that were just like no one would no one would cross them. But um, the funny there was a, a kind of slightly David Brent esque. Um, I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, but our manager at the time, Lee Richardson, um, and he, do you remember him? He was a centre midfielder at Blackburn, had a bit long hair. He played for Watford as well or something I like that, is that right? I do remember I him, yeah. He was there, but he might have done, um, but he was notorious. He was one of those guys that always had the guitar in the back of his car. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but, and they had the long hair, but he also, but, I mean, he used to sleep in a lay-by outside Blackburn, I think, just some nights he was like, oh, I can't be bothered driving home. Um, he was a, just a bit of a, car- a left-field character, and obviously when he went into management, I was walking into the changing rooms one day, and you at Chesterfield, you, you almost walked past the manager's office, and, I mean, if you get called into the manager's office, it's never usually a good thing uh, in the morning. So I, I was walking in, and he just looked out. He stuck his head out. He saw me coming through the window. He goes, Grits, can you have a word? And I was like, fuck's sake. So go in his office. And I'm wearing, I was wearing a David Bowie T-shirt. And he goes, he just pointed at it and goes, Bowie fan, eh? And then I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, gaffer. And he's like, more of a Gabriel man myself. <laughs> and just as he was as he was leaning back into his chair, and he went, no, uh, and this is gospel. This is this is brilliant. And I hope, because uh, I still see him about occasionally. He's, he's now a psychologist for Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, um, and really Lancashire smart guy. CC, he's, I'm reading. Yeah, yeah great. He's he did great play guy. for Watford. I was right. So there you, you go. You were right. Spot yeah. on. Well, and, and one of the, and the best thing he dropped to me, um, oh, what was it? What was the name? Because basically, the, he he had a great taste in music as well. So he would always be like, "Oh, get, get you know, get left field on, get this on, get that on." But there was, um, oh, who was the band? Um, oh God, um, what's the band that did that song to rap? Oh yeah, this is it. He goes, "Oh, um, Chris, I'm hearing a lot of good things about Pendulum." Um, oh, and, wow. and I was just like, in what way, Gaffer? He goes, pretty much music. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was like, he dragged me in the office just to have this chat about music. Clearly just wanted to speak to someone about his love of Peter Gabriel. Um, and uh, uh, <laughs> it was just this very odd chat with the manager. But I did love him for that because um, having a manager that gave a shit about the music that you played before a game or certainly was invested in it was always interesting. Did you um, do you remember Dave Webb, the Chelsea? I don't know if I said this to you guys before, but Dave Webb, who is the I think he played Chelsea player, but he was the Oval manager, and he yeah. used to go up to lads if lads had their headphones on, he'd just go and rip their headphones out. He go, "It's not a disco, it's not a disco. Get your mind in the game," and just like pin them up against the wall. So uh, <laughs> I think I think the mentality has changed a little bit now. Thankfully. Was that his idea of what happened at a disco? People would go in with their headphones. I just, I just think he was, yeah, he was just not a man that enjoyed fun. 
Um, uh, a very serious and also quite a scary individual, um, by all accounts. But um, I digress. Um, so moving on, what, what else have we covered? I was thinking a good topic to maybe go on to, maybe start to look at how uh, certainly football films um, and how football uh, kind of the, the, there's some crossover there. I, th- I, know, I think you flagged in some notes, John. Um, some crossovers from music and films, uh, uh, sport and films, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose you've got. I mean, you've got that sort of. There's those football hooligan films as well. Uh, that you know that cho- chose that. Um, you know, they choose the sort of classic. I mean, what's the film Football Factory that uses the Libertines and it's got the Happy Mondays and stuff like that. But I was thinking um, stuff like. Uh, I think well on the more sort of, well, let's call it esoteric end of things, uh, I wonder, uh, with football not being uh, played at the moment, how the band Sigur Ross are doing for income uh, now that their music isn't being used as uh, as a bed on TV. I, 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 probably, I probably pronounced the name wrong. It was probably Sigur Ross or something like that. Um, and, and, of course, um, Mogwai, did that Zidane film, didn't they? Twentieth Century Portrait, which is uh, I think it's Zidane playing against Villarreal, uh, and it's a it's a sort of the, the cameras are just focused on him. It's it's um, a full it's a full it I I, I I love it. The soundtrack's brilliant, but the um, it's very art house. Like you said, the cameras are trained exclusively on Zidane playing for Madrid at the time, and they chose quite a good game because it was relatively eventful. Uh, yes. Villas. But, well, uh, he, he gets thrown off, which, you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, funny enough, do you know what? I've actually watched that film, but I didn't watch it with a Mogwai soundtrack because someone had lent me uh, or made me a, a, a tape of the new Neil Young album. And this is when it had come out. And so I've watched that film, but with a, with a late period Neil Young album over the top of it, which, which is a very weird thing to do. Um, well, actually, I have listened to the soundtrack, which is excellent, obviously. But um, maybe I should marry the two. I've still got the DVD somewhere. Was that a custom? Was that a custom soundtrack specific for that film? Yes, they were. And Mogwai were commissioned to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Yeah, well, they're, they're all big uh, football fans. Uh, the uh, the the lead lead chap uh, is is a big big Celtic fan. Um, and he's happy to kind of uh, uh, discuss at length on his on, on his Twitter feed, uh, Stuart Braithwaite. Um, so yeah, I think they they jumped at the chance. They they were all in. Um, I, I talk about you know music and TV and film. The the soundtracks uh, the This Is England series. Obviously, that's not entirely football related, but it seems very kind of you know attached. Yeah. Um, you know that whole series that runs through uh, into the nineties as well. That the music on that is also particularly good. And um, yeah, there's a uh, you know did, did we even? I guess we 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 touched on the various uh, New Order World in Motion. They always remind me of kind of you know that period of uh, you know infancy of, of music and football as well in that sense. But it's uh, it, it's definitely changed. I mean, the whole thing with uh, you know certain musicians being so closely. And to ask football, like you said, with with Sigur Ros and you know, obviously Tinchy Strider, the reason why we see him perform at all these events is he has that one song that has been used by Sky for I mean yeah. I'm sure now like 
it feels like it's pushing a decade. Um, and you know, that really can sort of, you know, make or break, break careers that there's, there's songs that will just be forever, you know, linked with, with great sporting events or, or moments. Um, one thing I, I, Gareth, did you, um, when we went to the PFA awards, mm. who was playing? Cause they do this weird thing where, and to be fair, it's, it's probably a fair representation of a lot of dressing rooms. Like there's a, a clear divide in, in terms of what people like to listen to. But I think they they would have they would have either have a band on or a rapper. But they will have them both on. So the Charlatans came on and played one song, and then Wretch Thirty Two played a song, and it was just like we'll just tick a box, we'll just cater for everyone, and uh, so just the one ends I up went being quite to. bizarrely forced. Uh, the the PFA Awards I I went to. You'll be surprised to know the uh, musical act was um, Tinchy Strider. Oh well, there mm. we are. <laughs> it's just like just just omnipotent, just universal, <laughs> there forever. Um, I was even uh, I was at an NFL game a few years ago, and he came out and performed that song. Um, so yeah, decent career if you can get it. I'm sure he's yeah. done some other. It, I, I always wondered about the band. Uh, was it? Were they called Collapsed Lung that did that song? Yes. Eat My Goal. Yeah. Yes. Now, they, as far as I, I don't know any other work by Collapsed Lung, if there, <laughs> it, it's, if there, but it just, it would, I mean, it, it's probably died out now, but every two or three years that would, or every tournament, that would suddenly resurface or a DJ would dust it off and you would hear it. Um, they must have done okay out of that, but I mean... You know, I, I defy anybody to name me another song by Collapsed Lung. I really do. Do you know what? I had that. I think it was a double A side as well, because I quite liked the song on the other side. I think it was at <laughs> oh, wow. uni at the time. I think I was at uni at the time, and I was just like, you know, um, just establishing some musical uh, tastes, um, shall we say. Uh, so uh, and one, one last thing. Of a similar era, uh, the one piece of music that's kind of... Because I think it may have even got to number one in the charts was the uh, that amazing series of uh, the Nike free aside cage matches with the um, the the remixed version of uh, Elvis Presley's A Little Less Conversation. Yeah. Yes, uh, that which was huge. Had the incredible like all star trios of uh, footballers that's going you know Zidane's and Figos and and and. You know, I think McManaman, Roberta, Carlos, you know, everyone was in there. You know, just this incredible series of, uh, of you know, of footballers all playing. And Canton, I, I seem to recall, had a particularly notable appearance. Um, and, that, you know, that was an amazing, you know, people talk about synergy where you combine sport and music to great effect that works for everyone. You know, they were, that was iconic and, and an absolutely brilliant example. You know, people loved the song, they loved the adverts. And I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, um, was it Junkie XL? I think did the uh, the re right. rework of the Elvis track, and yeah, I'm pretty sure it went to number one. So it does work. Yeah, I think I, I think that's on a. It's an Elvis number ones album. It is. That's, that's the final one on the album. You're right. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So incongruous. Well, I think I think. Sorry, go on, John. You got some. I was going to say. Well, you can you can still see Elvis live. Well, whenever concerts come back. Uh, uh, as a hologram, of course. So does he still do that one? I, I don't know. I've seen Vegas. Yeah. I think um, there's still room. We could probably squeeze another one out of music because there's certainly 
bands, cool bands that are influenced by music or bands that have done football-related songs, like we talked about The Fall and, and uh, Sultan's Ping FC and various it's other ones that are quite... Yeah, so we we could we could perhaps come back to this, um. But yeah, no thanks, Jen. So, uh, what are you guys up to at the minute? Anything interesting? Any any hobbies that you've picked up? Any that you've you've let go? Um, I have. So I've just finished watching the first day of uh, EA Sports uh, uh, Stay at Home and Play uh, Championship, which is various uh, footballers representing their clubs playing FIFA against you know other footballers, which has been the first, the first uh, day was quite fun, actually. All the uh, Scandinavian uh, teams, the Bromby representative and Jurgard, and they were absolutely incredible. And turns out most of them are probably better at FIFA than they may be at the, uh, the professional games. So that, <laughs> that, that's over the next five days, and I, I highly recommend it if you want at least some fix of uh, footballers doing things. Oh, that's nice. John? Uh well, I'm rewatching The Sopranos, so because uh, because uh, well, a worthy endeavour. Well, yeah, because um, the the um, there's a podcast, isn't there, that's just come out, um, which is Steve Shripper and Michael Imperioli going through it episode by episode. Oh, so, lovely! So I've started binging on that and listening to Radio Three still, which is uh, you know. Um, I don't know anything about classical music, but it, 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 it's soothing in these times, yeah. I find. Um, I haven't yet braved six music or anything like that. I just can't actually face uh, anything that's going to be, that's like, you know, that's going to be sort of forced jollity or anything you like need that. Esca- escapism. You still need the escapism, don't you? That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, I, and I don't think forced jollity ever sort of, of you know, Wake up, boo! By the Boo Radleys is really going to do the job at the moment. Um, I'll stick to Vaughan Williams, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, uh, I hope you boys stay safe for another week. Um, if uh, if we've got nothing else to do next week, let's we'll pick a theme and come back. Hopefully, so. Um, uh, but great to speak to you both. Uh, thanks for coming on. Cheers. Thanks, Chris. That was a whistleblower. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.